Julie Ryan, noted psychic and medical intuitive, is ready to answer your personal questions, even those you never knew you could ask. For more than 25 years, as she developed and refined her intuitive skills, Julie used her knowledge as a successful inventor and businesswoman to help others. Now, she wants to help you to grow, heal, and get the answers you've been longing to hear. Do you have a question for someone who's transitioned? Do you have a medical issue? What about your pet's health or behavior? Perhaps you have a loved one who's close to death and you'd like to know what's happening. Are you on the path to fulfill your life's purpose? No matter where you are in the world, take a journey to the other side and ask Julie Ryan. Hey everybody, welcome to the Ask Julie Ryan Show. I'm so delighted you could join us this week. I have such a treat for you. I've got Beth Lynch here and she's a woo-woo girl like I am. And she likes, she talks to dead people like I do too. So we have lots to talk about. So Beth, welcome, welcome. Well, thank um, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to see where this takes us and which, which dimension we will be in. <laughs> exactly. Before we started taping, I said, I said, we're going to, I got questions for you all over the board. So we're going to, we're going to cover a lot of different materials, but I'm an information suck as my listeners know. So I am just one of those naturally curious people. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to just cover lots of information. Let me tell you about Beth. Beth is a mind, body, spirit educator spiritual medium and meditation teacher. For more than 28 years, Beth has assisted families with understanding and healing grief. Her ability to connect to loved ones who crossed has inspired and helped many appreciate life, death, and everything in between. I love how you phrase that. The title in of her book, latest actually too. I was just going to say and that's the title of her latest book, Life, Death, and In Between. In it, Beth shares what she's learned in her personal journey, and it's full of stories and that will warm your cockles, right? That's the old fashioned <laughs> saying is, is warm your heart. So let's just start off with you say your own journey to understand death has allowed you to understand life. What do you mean by that? Well, it, I think, uh, well, when I was 28, my dad passed away of a, of a heart attack, you know, um, unexpectedly. So, you know, we were, it was my sister, my mom, and we were, you know, obviously healing that. And then three years later, um, on the night of September 22nd, 1993, um, the Amtrak train crashed and my mother was on the train. Yes. And I woke from having a dream, hearing over an intercom system. That's just how it sounded. And there were gray walls and I could see people running. But I heard the intercom say that she was dead, like she's dead. And I'm like, <gasps> you know, and I I started screaming in my dream. In my dream, I was crying. And then I woke up and I remember going, <gasps> you know, like, what a dream. That was an awful dream. And then I looked at the digital clock. I can still see it in my mind's eye. And it was 3.15 a.m. Somehow I went back to sleep. Uh, I really don't know how, but um, I woke up early and I was watching my nephew, my little nephew. He had to go to pre-K that day, next day. So I had him for the night. So that morning I get up a little earlier than normal. I get in the car, I turn on the radio. I'd forgotten about the dream. And then I heard on the radio that the train had crashed in the middle of the night and 
you know, they were just getting to the scene because there were no, you know, really roads out in the bayou. So I was like, oh my God, my dream. And I knew, I mean, my whole body. So instead of alarming the little guy in the back seat, I kind of turned off the radio, got him off to school and then turned back on the radio. And I was upset and, you know, called my, you know, my husband and I'm driving and I'm driving to my sister's house because I called her and said something happened last night with a train. I don't know if mom's on it, but I heard her voice right after I hung up and she said, Beth, I'm all right. I'm happy. And I went, oh my God, she's dead. That was what kickstarted me into, <clears throat> you know, needing to understand more about death and my little Catholic upbringing was not supporting it at the moment. Um, you know, God, why would you do this? You know, those thoughts that many people have when they're in deep grief and, you know, why would God let this happen? And God, you know, we like give God all that power, but well, that's a whole other story, right? But um, basically a year later, I went to a medium and she looked at me and said, young lady, your mother in spirit. She said it was like crossing a bridge and she took a breath. Little did she know how literal that was. She was saying it more in a metaphor, I think. You know what I mean? And she says, but you're not, your mother is in spirit and you're not using your gifts and abilities. And someday you will do what I do and you will help many. Well, in my mind right then, I'm thinking this lady's crazy because there's no way I can do that and would do that. You know, I wanted, I was, you're, when you're grieving, you can't even comprehend, you know, if you're not already open to this. I was always curious, you know, about, you know, energy and tarot cards and yoga and meditation, but I was notorious for saying, I can't meditate. I can't stop thinking. Well, I got an answer for that, but, but it took me my own development to get there. But that was really what pushed the journey, you know, to, and <clears throat> I don't want to start coughing because I had a little thing going this week. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Um, but that was what kickstarted it. Meditation, you know, I got very intrigued by meditation and I would try, try, try. And eventually I had an experience where I, I knew something clicked. And after that, I just stayed committed. And that's really where everything just started opening up. And then you're led to the books. You're led to Wayne Dyer. You're led to Louise Hay. You're led to Esther and uh, you know, Esther, <laughs> oops, sorry, Esther, well, her, her partner, Esther Hicks, yeah, <clears throat> you're led to cry on, I was led to cry on, that was in the 80s, and that's, you know, the, the personal development and personal healing started opening my ability to feel and see things that I always knew I could, but scared me, so I would, I would suppress it, I would not want to know things, I used to be a little girl being, you know, seeing faces when I slept, and putting covers over my head and then screaming, you know what I mean? When they, so they go away and then all those experiences that so many people do have and children nowadays have, you know, so, but I did something about it and that was want, wanting to understand it. Probably about a week later, I went to a store, what we call a metaphysical store where the crystals and the incense and the, <clears throat> excuse me, and the, um, Tarot, I was intrigued by tarot cards. And there was a flyer there for a woman, Elizabeth Schumann, beautiful astrologer down in South Florida for years, very well respected. And she was teaching the tarot. And so I decided to do a private class. I was very drawn to it. I took it. I was like, oh, I don't want to do a class. I grew up. I want to do it privately. You know, I don't want to talk in front of, I want to do that in front of people. Yes, <laughs> as I was thinking in that time. And that was the first thing that really got me to 
you know, the very first thing she, when she came to her door and let me in her home, it was beautiful. Classic music was playing classical music. There were books to the ceiling with shelves. I mean, she was just, is just a divine being. And she said to me when we said, <clears throat> I bet you didn't know tarot was a spiritual tool. And I go, no, actually I was hoping I wasn't doing something I shouldn't do. <laughs> I don't know. Could you hear, you know, the other side of things, just like in mediumship. And um, she goes, oh, no, dear. It's all how you read it. You will learn the way to honor and respect the tarot. And that's just what she said. And <clears throat> I mentored with her for two years, never realizing the mediumship part of it was getting stronger. I was actually helping the third eye, woo, you know, open more. And, uh, but I didn't really understand all that then, you know, I was so, I didn't even know what a chakra was then. Then that led into learning about chakras and reading Anatomy of Spirit by Carolyn Mace, which I think is the, is a Bible. It should be in med schools. It should be in all those kind of schools, you know, because it really shows the power of psychology, you know, medicine, spirit, and the, the respect that working together, what it really does, you know, what it can do for, for things. So that was the, <clears throat> Elizabeth was the breaking point. And I remember I started reading cards from my friends and, you know, and then I'm reading cards and then I go to this place and I want to read cards. So I'm, I'm a hairdresser by trade and full time and very busy and blessed. I love doing hair, but I was drawn to this other thing. So then eventually I just, you know, started charging a little for it. Now, this was in the late nineties, you know, and oh, I think about how far ago that was. And, um, yeah. And then I was doing it, you know, half and half doing hair, but still doing that. I was getting busier. And then one day I'll never forget sitting with this lady in this little peripheral vision thing. And I'm reading the cards. Tell her David's here. And I go, David's here. And she screamed and I jumped and the rest was history. <laughs> Literally, I, she goes, I didn't know you did that. I go, I didn't either. And David was her brother that passed. So that was where I just said, okay, universe, I surrender. I think I am supposed to do that. I liked helping her like that. And eventually just using the cards, I just would use them for a few minutes and then I'd put them down because spirit world would talk. And then eventually I didn't even need the card. I love teaching tarot though. But tarot was my you know, my beginning. So I teach people, when I teach tarot, I teach it the same way. I say the exact same words Elizabeth said, because it is a spiritual tool that helps the divine eye, third eye, sixth sense open more. You learn to trust symbolisms, um, the, the symbolisms, the, the numerology in there, the metaphors, the colors that are chakras, you know, chakra colors, the cards will talk to you. In the meantime, your, your eye is just getting so, you know, you're starting to trust the inner visions, and that's a big part of it, trusting. Well, a lot of people, I think, believe that tarot's evil or that it's the devil or it's a sin to mm -hmm. do that. Where did it come from? I know it's ancient. Oh, my God, and, it's ancient. And I always, think, I always think of gypsies using tarot. Well, you know, there's so but, many decks, and they all have, you know, such history. I, I just love the Conley deck because it's a very positive vibrational deck. They don't even have the devil in there. They have materialism. So when you take one of the, the darkest cards, if you want to call it the darker, lower, what you would consider to be a lower card, a scary card, the devil card, no matter what, if it's a skeleton or in the one I have, it's not a skeleton, it's something else, but they're tied to a cup, chained to, chained to a cup, a wand, 
a pentacle and a sword. And swords, this is where the tarot is so powerful because swords are thoughts in the deck. Um, the chalice is the emotions. Water flows. Water is the element of emotion. It'll adapt to whatever form you're giving it. You know, now we're getting into looking at energy. Um, wands are the are your spiritual growth, your passion, career, the desires that you have, and then the club or the want the the uh, the sword. Wait, the swords, and then what was the other one? The clubs was I think the wands. Yeah, and pentacles are actually the physical world. Whether we're talking about health, finance, so the story that's in the tarot when you really understand it. It just opens you, you know? So I always tell, you know, if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. That's not how you want to start. You know what I mean? Maybe you won't be comfortable in it, but it really, I mean, I had no clue. It was really stimulating so much of my higher frequencies to be more, you know, up in that zone, if you will. That's what it's doing. Anytime we learn something, you know, when you read Louise Hay for the first time, you're like, oh man, there's my stomach. Oh man, there's my head, you know, and you start to see. But if you really honor the teachings, you can release yourself from those things, you know, from the physical to the anxieties. I mean, it really speaks for itself. And I mean, when you get caught up in that magic, every time you learn something new and you apply it and then it works, you know, key word, Julie, is apply. You have to apply it into your own life. That's where my real learning came. I would come, you know, come across it and, you know, practice it and practice what I preached. And I think that was my biggest teacher. It really was. <laughs> Well, it's interesting to me that you started off with mentioning anatomy of the spirit, because that's what introduced me to all this whole woo-woo mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. And and especially because I was in the medical field mm -hmm. as an inventor and manufacturer of surgical devices. And Carolyn Mays called herself a medical intuitive. And I thought, what the heck is that? Mm -hmm. A friend gave me that book for my birthday. You know? And I read it and I thought, Mm, what's this? I need to know more Didn't about this. Just, your heartstrings just go woo or something. I, you know how I came across it? I went to study uh, what I thought I was going to experience was something about meditation, which it was obviously. It was called it's called Delphi um, School for Spiritual Studies. It's in McKaysville, Georgia, way up in the Blue Ridge Mountains. It's an amazing place. And I went in the nineties, and I, someone told me you need to go there. That's all your woo woo stuff you do, you know? Because I would read in the cards. So I went there all confident with my cards. I didn't even look at a card there, but um, they, they teach you how to understand spirituality and the, the connection between, you know, earth. and I went to the bookstore on the grounds and I said, well, in between my classes, I'm going to read a book. So I'm looking in the, and I come across anatomy of spirit and I go, oh, well, that makes sense. Spirit, spiritual stuff, uh, anatomy of it. I'll look at one page and see if I feel it. That's just what I said. I started reading a paragraph and something, something, the word energy, literally lifted off the page, came right to my heartbeat, like boom, 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 boom. And I'm looking at the word off the page, bouncing like to my heartbeat, going, what is that word? I know what that means. And I went, do I? I bought the book. I think I read it four times. I couldn't put it down. Every time I read it, I felt like something was coming alive in me. Like, I get it. My God, I get that. Like, I felt like I knew that. How would I know that? Not realizing that big word consciousness, we hold all of this wisdom in our higher consciousness. 
we just got to get up there and hang out in that little room every once in a while. You know what I mean? And let it download into us, you know, and, and then practice it. Practice, you know, mantras and mantras are powerful. Just repeating a word. I mean, you know, just getting that word. I, I have a deck of cards I call the I am mantra and manifesting cards. And I use them for meditation myself. I use, and I, the I am is just such a powerful, it's, if nothing else, use inhale, I exhale, am, and just slow yourself down. I mean, that can be just a magical, simple little way to start. You know, people listen to these things. They want to start somewhere, you know? So that's always a good question. Well, the thing that I found fascinating about that book was in it, she compares the three main religions of the world, mm -hmm. Catholicism, Buddha, or Catholicism, Muslimism, and Judaism. Mm -hmm. And she talks about how they all are saying the same thing, just with a different flavor. And that really resonated with me when she was talking about that. And like you, it, it just felt true. You know, you read something, and now I know when you get goosebumps, if I get goosebumps on something, I say those are validation bumps from spirit mm -hmm. that, yeah, whatever was said or whatever you're thinking is true. Yeah. And, and so I was doing that with that book too. You believe that spirituality is the missing link between mental and physical health and addiction and things like that. Can mm -hmm. you say more about where that thought came from mm -hmm. and what your experience is to reinforce and support that thought. Mm -hmm. And, you know, anyone that follows me knows I'm very passionate on it and vocal on it with all due respect um, to, to, you know, the topic and, and um, you know, where the pharmaceuticals come in, that's another part of it. But, um, you know, when we look at what, this is what I've come to feel and this is what I educate on, if you, that's the word, is what is the spirit? And I, and, and I never really, you know, when I would even say, well, I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I am spiritual, but I just, what is, what does it really mean? Like, I need to, I need a definition, you know, I need to feel that, that, that word. I want, I'm like that with everything. I need to have a feeling about it because how can I honestly say that if I'm not, you know, that's how I felt about being a medium. How can I say I'm a medium when I don't understand what the word means? Even yet I know what I, but that's part two maybe. But to me, when you look at the spiritual, you know, it's an, it's an aspect of our consciousness. It's who, it's energy, right? So when we look at the higher frequency energy, um, and when we're up in a higher frequency, for example, happiness is a higher frequency, you know, emotion, and it carries a frequency and a vibration create, is created from that. So when we look at what the spirit holds in ours, in us, and seem to get the words out. What the spirit to me is, is a, it's a nature, our natural nature, our most powerful nature, and the sacred nature. It holds the intuitive, the intuitiveness of who we are, intuition, our attunement to that, if we trust it or not. And what is intuition? Yes, it's this stuff. It's connecting to a higher frequency spirit or loved one, but it's also a survival mechanism. So when you take away your ability to feel, your spirit is, the emotion is what will 
move you intuitively to guide, to trust, then it's also our creative expression. When we're channeling in a, a creative, you know, if it's music, for example, you can use music, you know, music, these artists, they get their first album, their first, I, I love Taylor Swift, because she's probably not the best to use because she's done just fine. But some of them, you know, they write that's from their diary that hits the charts. It's up there 10 weeks. They never have to work again. You know, the um, money's energy. There's the exchange. But then they got to do it second time. And they struggle. And then you start hearing they're in, de they're on, they're on, you know, depression or they're struggling or they're blah. Even with writing books, it's the same thing. Well, that's because it's not flowing from your emotion and your passion, whether that was, you know, hard emotion, lower, you know, sadness, grief, fear, and you put it all in there. Yeah. That's why you can't duplicate the emotion. So, so that's the spirit. It's intuitive. It's the creative energy. It's our compassion beyond the physical expression, beyond the physical. It is how we communicate. It holds our coping skills. When we communicate from our higher nature, we don't ask why as much, if at all. It's very interesting to, when you, when you really start looking at life this way, you don't ask why. Why is a very low frequency, not the word itself, but usually what's behind it. I remember I, why God, why? Well, hmm. That just pulls you down, right? It unplugs you from your source, your spirit. Your spirit supports you, and it's the connection to eternal life. Our spirit is eternal. Our spirit cannot get anxiety. Our spirit does not get blocked. Our spirit is an infinite source of um, unbelievable energy that we can't even imagine. So when you unplug from that source, Sure, you're going to get anxiety. Sure, you're going to feel depressed. Sure, you're going to feel angry. When people's survival mechanism or, or survival energy is, is messed with, I mean, look at the world. What's going on? People don't know how to survive. They, ugh, world, world issues are all over the place with energy, you know? And when you look at it through energy, you don't ask why. You know, Nikola Tesla. Is. I mean, the formula is in front of us. If you want to understand the secrets of this universe, think in those terms, energy, vibration, frequency. Uh, uh, our spiritual nature is a higher frequency. Our personality holds a mixture of all frequencies, and we're going to express it in the body, through the body. And the body, anatomy of spirit, takes on the lower frequency conditions. Hey. Well, that's a lot to unpack. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, your point about that spirit doesn't feel bad and spirit's pure love is what I always say. Mm -hmm. And people say, what about evil spirits? I'll say evil spirits were concocted by, this is my opinion, religions and cultures and civilizations and people in power to control the masses. If somebody right. has an experience with a evil spirit, that's their fear coming in and putting that on top of somebody that's love because when you're in fear, you lose your clarity. Yeah. You can't think clearly. You can't. And, and so I get pushback on that sometimes from people just because we've been so indoctrinated mm -hmm. with that through powers that be and, and through literature and, and movies and things like that, mm -hmm. that have taught us. But your point about that, when you're disconnected from spirit, that's when you feel badly, I think is really profound. 
Yeah. And it's your own, you know, your own spirit, your own highest self, that part of you, you know, we could look at it like angel devil on the shoulder. You know, the angel is the higher self. The devil would be the lowest expression of self, right? It's not an entity that's out there, you know, making us do bad things. We have consciousness and consciousness has different vibrations. Higher ones would fall into the, you know, the angel energy and the the other will fall into it's like with with in in this you know the area of uh looking at emotion in consciousness you know when you're in the lowest form of human expression possible which would be towards yourself or others around you all we gotta do is watch the news and see we see a lot of that we are completely separate from that source. We are down at the bottom. There's like this pyramid thing they I seen once. I have it in my healing course. And God is the top or oneness, um, highest intelligence or divine intelligence, divine consciousness. There's a few different words that are all out there. Source, I love source. And then the lowest would be evil, which is the lowest form of human expression possible to oneself or another. And in the chart that I was shown right above evil, it's schizophrenia. But why? Schizophrenia, you are very separated from that source. There's, you know, and there's a lot in, and I'm sure on a, on a medical level, somebody could fill in a lot of blanks for me, but this is just a spiritual outline that I was given to make it simple for people to understand. Because then right above that was bipolar. Now I'm going, I'm starting from the bottom going up now. The bipolar, what the spirit world has shown me is, well, you're all bipolar. <laughs> some people don't like to hear that but when you're diagnosed and you're in conditions creating that diagnosis your lower frequency polarity is dominating it's like a tsunami and you can't come up and when you do you're up but then you'll go back down under the wave and then everything happens and that's how they've explained it to me like somebody i channeled once actually did and they said so when we're in that understand or we're in that condition or diagnosis then we are actually you know really it's the frequencies are just dominating there's there's not really much higher thought process going on if any it's a complete surrender and you know sad i mean in my work i know because of grief that that's a place many people can get to you can get so destitute you know especially when you're working with you know helping parents heal and you, you know, all the children, you know, that's a death that nobody could ever understand unless they went through it, you know? And, um, and it's probably the hardest death anyone experiences, you know? So I've seen many people even before HPH in that grief, you know, and I think that's where my understanding actually came with learning to understand that they have to know they can move up the frequency chart, like, you know, move, you know, what gives someone hope. That's what channeling really does. We're really meant to create a sacred space for them to feel the love and energy of their loved one. That's our job, to create the space. That's how I say about mediumship. If I, I, I'm creating that space for us, you know? And when, when it happens, as you know, it's, there's something, it's just like when we're saying how we read Anatomy of Spirit, we just kind of, woo, we knew, you know? You have that, I know. They are with me. They are okay. And then it continues if you allow it to. But that, you know, that's an interesting little chart. And then moving up the chart, you go into, you know, lesser mental health. Because I'm not a mental health expert, you know, and I'll say that. I said, but I understand wellness and I understand these terms and I know what spirit, spirit world says about anxiety, which I think is so interesting, is 
that anxiety is actually quit looking at it like this monster that came and is happening to you, scaring you, making it happen to you. Because anxiety, according to the spirit world, is when your frequency is trying to go up from being low and the nervous system is responding. And then we, you know, some people, you know, it can be the breathing. It can be, it can get very physical, but a lot of people it's, it stays more in that one zone where you could actually slow your breath, get your visual, get your mantra, start somewhere simple. You don't have to be, you know, um, make it complicated. Start believing that you can bring control to this because most people struggling with it feel they do not have control. And that's just my learning experience because I work with a lot. Well, and it's because they're in fight or flight. That's yes. And when they're in fight or flight, they lose clarity again. That's the whole nine yards. If we can stay out of fight or flight, then we have clarity and we can move forward. And I I always say too, Beth, spirit doesn't communicate on the I feel crappy channels because the vibration's too low. Mm -hmm. And I think what you're talking about is a great example of that. I'm interested in the comment that you made about how we're all bipolar. (laughs) The person that said that, what were they, what did they mean by that? Um, Because we all have two polarities. We all have a higher and a lower polarity in us, I guess. And and there, I feel the way I'm looking at it is through consciousness. Now, like I said, I've looked at these principles and as much as I can comprehend, and I try, I try to respect the line, I think I do definitely respect the line of what someone may say. You know, I had a doctor, uh, a, a pharmacist reach out to me not long ago, and she really thanked me for kind of bringing it down to a, an earth level for people because she, and she had this whole, um, article on mediumship and schizophrenia. I should send it to you. It's, it was amazing. I mean, I haven't, it was so long. I haven't even finished it, but just what I've read, it's like, yeah. And a lot of mediums in the old days were because they were, you know, were got put away and put into, there's some have written about their, their experiences of that. I can't remember her name. Um, was that the Eagle and the Rose? I don't know why I'm thinking of that. Um, but yeah, because you hear voices, I hear voices all the time. You know, and, you know, and when I was a little girl, I didn't want to tell my parents and I didn't because I thought they would think I was crazy. So it scared me, but I kind of found my space with it and kept it in my little secret house, you know, up here somewhere. And, um, but, you know, eventually it, it was hard to keep it in when it got bigger. Most of us have busy lives and we know that we're not getting the nutrients and the vitamins and the minerals that we need. So I'm always looking for easy ways to ingest them. I found one, it's called Beam Minerals. And what I find is that most of us don't get enough potassium, magnesium, and calcium. Those are the big three. And so what Beam Minerals does is it's put all these minerals in a liquid form that's easy to drink because it tastes like water. It's got all these important minerals and a whole bunch of other ones. and I find that they're really helpful. They save me time. They're easy to take. And I suggest that you give them a try. Go to Beam Minerals, B as in boy, E-A-M, minerals, plural, dot com, and use the code Julie Ryan, all together, no space, at checkout, and you'll get 20% off your order. That's Beam Minerals, B-E-A-M, minerals.com and use Julie Ryan at checkout. 
and you'll get a 20% discount. Give it a try and let me know what you think. Uh, well, let's go down that path a little bit. How did you go from it? Did Do you remember an age when it started? Is it just as long as um, you can remember? Or do you did you say, okay, at the age of seven is when you really understood that this was spirit communicating with you? I think everybody has that. I don't think. I believe everybody has that. All little children have it. Mm-hmm. The the examples are endless. And we learn to shut it down because we have grown-ups in our lives say, oh, honey, that's just your imagination. That's not really true. Mm-hmm. And so we learn not to trust it. But we're all being led with spirit. And we all have thoughts that come into our heads. And the mistake is in us believing that the thoughts originate in our heads. They don't. They come in from the ethers. Mm-hmm. They come in from our spirit guides. They come in based on what we're thinking of at any one given moment. So lead us down the path from childhood when you had voices in your head mm-hmm. and and ha- to the point where you read Anatomy of the Spirit at that retreat. Mm-hmm. So as a young, even I can remember five, six years old, I would say, um, thinking something and then it would happen. It would be something silly probably in the day, but it would happen, you know, and then I'd be like, why do I know those things? And I talked to God, I was raised, you know, in a Catholic upbringing. So I had a, I had a, that level was there, you know, probably had to be, but it, it, it was a good foundation. I feel it gave me something when I was, uh, probably a little older, maybe seven or eight, maybe, maybe not even. I remember I would be going to bed and, it would be what I know now to be anxiety shooting through your body, but I didn't have a word for it, you know, 50 something years ago. Um, but from my toes right to my body would be this feeling. And then this face would just hover over me in bed. And I was a little girl and he would hover and I would call him the mean man. I had a name for him. And he, when I would pray, because immediately I would start saying the Our Father because I knew that by heart, you know, going to Catholic school. <laughs> and by the third one, he'd float away. And I never could understand why he did. But as I looked back on that, because I saw him well into my 30s. Actually, after my mom passed, and then I went and I learned, I was starting to learn more about energy. Um, when I went to Delphi and I learned about, you know, the spiritual realm, you know, a little more in a, in a metaphysical way than a, the traditional way, like there's no purgatory where I'm going to go sit and make my parents are going to have to wait for me to get there. You know, I used to think that was about as horrifying as anything, but it scared me. And, um, yeah, I saw him for all those years, but, um, once I said the third, our father, so now I understand, I started to understand it as when I raised my frequency, he couldn't hover in it. So he would disappear because by the third, our father, I was raising my frequency. And that, that makes sense. Prayer is energy. So after my mom passed, so I would see him as a little girl, he'd come weekly. In my teens, I think he came every couple months. I'd have an episode, but I'd say they're our father. And then when I got in my 20s, eh, once every few times a year, but he was still, it would still, I wouldn't be in the dark. I wouldn't never have all my lights out. Never even told my parents why. I'm sure they know now. They must listen. Go, oh, my poor baby. How did we not know? <laughs> and, um, but then one night he came and it was well after I'd, you know, gone 
my healing journey was full on. I understood spirit. I understood energy. I understood why I saw what I saw, felt what I felt. Everything was, I was meditating daily. There he was. I'll never forget it. I keep my whole body just shivered and there he was. And I went, Oh dude, I got your number. <laughs> That's just what I said. I go, I get you. You're in a low frequency. You cannot hover over me anymore. You cannot come near me unless you go to the light. And if you don't go to the light, if you don't know how to go to, I told him that if you don't know how to go to the light, then you ask somebody because somebody will get you to the light. I said, call for an angel. I have never seen him since since that so who do you think it who do you think it was was it somebody that you knew when they were alive no but i can tell you who he looked like and it was exactly charles manson and i didn't know charles who charles manson was as a young kid but i remember seeing him on the news and thinking that's the mean man now i'm not saying charles manson because he was very much alive for many years when i went through that but, you know, somebody pointed out something pretty interesting once when I was telling this story. They go, well, you know, he was very much into transcendental meditation and astral projection and all that. And I went, oh, <laughs> I hope it wasn't him. I don't think it was. But um, he, it was a very similar look, put it that way. And, um, but, you know, I had an incident once with a little boy. He was eight years old. His father brought him to me and he was seeing spirits and he was scared to death, scared to death. So... The father had worked, I had worked with the father before on a loss, family member loss. And he said, I don't know if you could just talk to him. He's interested. I told him there's a lady that talks to angels and, and grandma and grandpa, and, you know, and, and he wants to talk to you. So sure. You know, so he brought him over and we were talking and, you know, he says, well, I don't know why they want to come to me like that. And I don't. And so we, we had a nice little talk and then all of a sudden I could see this shadowy figure I'm like, oh, we're going to channel, I guess. And I go, the man said to me, tacos, tell him tacos. Now I got this, you know, shadowy figure. I got this little boy with his father. I know what I'm supposed to be talking about. Now I got this guy saying, tell him tacos. And I go, I look at the little boy and I go, tacos? And he went, and I go, who is it? And he goes, he's the man that stands in my door. And I go, and his father goes, what man stands in your door? I mean, he knew about somebody, didn't know. He never heard him say he stands in my door. And he goes, dad, I just didn't tell you this one. <laughs> but what was so funny was the, the spirit energy person told me that I don't, I didn't mean for him to see me. I was passing through the ethers. And when he saw me and I knew he saw me, I stood, I was there and said tacos. And then the little boy repeated it. I don't want any. <laughs> he told me that's what he told the man. I don't want any tacos. And then he goes, and, and the man said it again. He goes, go away. I don't want any. But he sees him once in a while. But what was interesting was that spirit actually kind of showed me a little, like sometimes they're not trying to be seen, you know, they're, it's just cause you know, vibrational, like, and I, it helped me understand myself because maybe some spirits didn't want to be seen, but once that one was seen, he knew he, when he came to me, he was coming to me. I mean, he knew what he was doing. That one was deliberate, definitely. But it was just so cute to watch this little boy go, all right, so tell him I don't want tacos. <laughs> and I go, he told me to tell you that he won't scare you and he never meant to scare you. And just the look on his face and his father's going, I can't believe this. <laughs> 
his father was just all over the word taco, you know what I mean? So it was just kind of cute, but you know, it's one of those cute little spirit stories, but I could still see, and the little boy's doing great. I actually checked up on him not long ago. His father said, he's amazing. He goes, he stopped getting anxiety. He used to get anxiety because he was afraid the man would come. I too was raised Catholic and uh, went through 12 years of Catholic schools. And I think that they do a really good job, like you said, of giving us a foundation of, as little children, believing in angels and saints and our loved ones go to heaven Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. And so it gives us a foundation on which to dive off. And it give it, I find that people that don't have a spiritual background, it's sometimes more of a leap because they've got to go to the place where, well, what do you mean spirit? I've had several people over the years, not very often, but several times where they'll say, well, I, you have to convince me that this is really real. And I said, well, no, really, I don't have to convince you of mm-hmm. anything if you want to talk about it. <laughs> I'm happy to talk to you. If you don't, that's fine too. We can talk about football or the weather or whatever you want to travel. Perfect. And, and so then they'll say, no, 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 no. I want, I want to know more. And so I'll, I'll say something about a story and they'll say, well, I, I just think that's evil. And I'll say, well, do you pray? And they'll say, of course I pray. I'll say, great. To whom are you praying? Jesus, the Virgin Mary, whomever, God. I'll say, okay, when you're talking to Jesus, does that mean Jesus is sitting on the couch next to you and you can touch him and you can hold hands with him while you talk to him? Well, no. I said, oh, you're talking to Jesus's spirit. Mm. And you can just see their eyes kind of glaze over and they, you can see all the wheels in their Mm -hmm. head starting to turn. I'll say, you're talking with spirit. Does Jesus ever answer you? Do you ever get guidance? Yeah, all the time. Well, you're communicating with spirit. This is the same thing. It's just helping people communicate with spirit when they're in grief or they're in fear of some kind and they can't get their vibrational level raised to the spirit channel. And and that's what mediums do is they help. They're, they're like translators almost. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, spirit communicates in symbols and phrases and things like that, I find that they're very literal. Have you found the yeah, same thing? Absolutely. And and how applicable information is that they give us is oftentimes predicated on how we ask a question or make a statement because the meaning that they're conveying is always going to be concise and literal, but we're going to interpret it based on our frame of reference. Mm -hmm. Have you run into that where something is misinterpreted and it's just because of how the conversation is going? Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, just as, you know, the, you know, if I do my utmost everything to never misinterpret, I'd rather say, I really don't know what they mean by this. Take it with you. Um, But yeah, miss, you know, but yeah, misinterpretation is, I think that's a fine line. Um, it's a scary line sometimes. You don't want to. I you know, work with people who want me to, someone's missing, for example. <clears throat> and I may have someone right now I'm working with, and I, you know, I said, you know, the sad part is if I do start communicating, 
it, it means they're not here, you know, because they don't know where they are. They can't find them and missing persons. So, and then once it's, and I don't want to misinterpret, you know, but usually if you get going enough, there'll be enough said that there's no way, you know, you would know that that had to come from that. So, but that, those are hard things that missing, yeah, you don't want to misinterpret as much as, you know. Well, I just convey whatever it is I get, yeah. whatever the information is that comes into my head. I, too. I don't either, because something that may make sense to me or may not more likely make sense to me may very well make sense to the person exactly. with whom I'm working. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how it comes in. Mm-hmm. And it, the other thing that I tell people too is if it doesn't make sense to you at the moment, it may make sense later when you think about it, or it may pertain to something that hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And just be open to the information that's coming in and know. What happens when you have a client who says, well, uh, what was the nickname that my <laughs> grandmother called me? Or they're asking you, it's kind of like Jeopardy. Yeah. Here's the question get the answer or I don't yeah. believe you. Have you had that Oh happen? God, yeah. I've been so for, I've been doing it, what, 28 years, of course, you always get that. But, you know, I feel blessed that I think, and you probably know this too, once people refer you and, you know, they put you in a, in a some, sometimes like put me in that, yeah, a lot of expectation going on here, but um, that's okay. I expect a lot from spirit and that's what I say. And they always come through. I'm always, I feel very humbled and honored to, to be communicating it. But yeah, when they pose the question uh, that, and I always say, if I don't get a vision right away, I'll say, well, let's go along because sometimes in the last second when we're closing, I'll see something or I'll say something. And I find that most of the time it happens. It's probably, I'm sure, been times it hasn't. But one lady, I'll never forget, she said that to me right out of the gate. Well, I want my nickname. If I don't get my nickname, I'm not going to believe anything you say. I go, well, why would you make that so hard for your, her spouse was in spirit, your spouse and whoever else is going to talk to you, your mom, her mom was in spirit. I go, don't put that pressure on them. Trust, it'll come. I, I, I'm not going to worry about it. Let's do the other, let's, whatever I'm getting. So we went, she, we opened, blah, 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 blah. so we go a good hour. And then <laughs> she said, well, I didn't get my nickname, but I do like everything else that was said. I go, well, that's good. And it will bring healing. And then all of a sudden I go, oh, do you get, do you have chickens? Or I mean like a rooster? Do you guys have a rooster? And she goes, no, that was my nickname, rooster. <laughs> I'm like, thank you. <laughs> I go, look, you know, what more can we say here? <laughs> she goes, oh, I'm so excited. She didn't care about anything. She just wanted to hear a rooster. <laughs> but you know what? As soon as she let it go, beautiful things happened. And we were able, it was, I didn't know he was sending me a nickname. You know, I had one guy once, he went like this to me, like, show this. And his family was sitting across from me. It was in person session. And it was a battle Jack Daniels. And I go, oh, I go, did did he like Jack Daniels? And they go, no, that was his name. <laughs> oh, I, I well, symbols. There someday he'll be standing there with that Jack Daniels bottle. I swear to God. <laughs> yeah, that was symbols again. I know, you know, it would have been harder for him to say, my name is Jack Daniels. But when he showed me the bottle, I didn't have to. Ask. I just said, oh, do you like Jack Daniels? And I said, did he drink? <laughs> Never a drop his whole life. I go, no, that was karmic. <laughs> That was fun. Oh, that was one of them. A picture, a picture's worth a thousand words, right? God. That's a 
great validator for mm. that. What is channeling and how does it work? Channeling? Well, um, it's like, I kind of like how you explained it, the the station that we're going to. And when we do, a, I know when I do the blessing, someone calls upon you, you do the blessing, you're turning to the channel. You know, that's the way I look at it. And I'll stay in that channel, you know, comfortably um, for them. I think the blessing also brings their frequency up a little to start to trust intuitively. And then you're just channeling it in, like bringing in the visions. Like I didn't ask what Jack Daniels meant. I kind of thought maybe it meant drinking, but um, it was just, I mean, don't ask, you know, if I, I, but I think we probably do the similar, like I don't try to figure it out. I just put it out, you know, and away we go. How I explain it, Beth, is that our heads are big satellite dishes and they receive and transmit frequencies. And every spirit has a frequency they keep throughout all of their lifetimes. And once we think of them, that tunes our satellite dish head to their frequency, much like a radio station. You're listening to Classic Rock on 92.4 megahertz. That's the frequency on which that music's being broadcast. And then once we connect with spirit, it opens similar to a two-way radio, a channel that we can, on which we can communicate with them. I love that. And yeah, and it, it, people seem to be able to understand that. The other thing that I tell people all the time is that spirit is going to answer us within a second or before. And if they answer before we've even had the thought thought out all the way, it's because there isn't linear time in the spirit world as we perceive it. Linear time is a human creation. And so they've already got our thought before we can even think it. Do you find that it's the same mechanism in communicating with spirits that are still attached to a body in their human form? Do you do any of that or do you only talk to the deceased? Whenever that happens, I have not tried to do it. Um, um, you know, it's I, I might be saying something and then someone will say, well, that's actually my grandmother and, you know, she's in hospice right now. So for an example, and I'll be, wow, oh, okay. So, you know, I just kind of let it flow and then um, it makes sense and they know it is. That happened to me Um so I was a practicing medium there. Yeah, it was in the beginning though, like probably in my first few years when I was actually full-time doing it. And I went to a medium in upstate New York, Phil Jordan. A lot of people here are Phil Jordan. And he, um, <clears throat> sorry, he, he kept coming in front of me because me and my girlfriend sat in the front row and he didn't know me because I wasn't living even in New York then. I was practicing in Florida. But... He kept coming in front of me and then he'd, he'd look at me and walk away and my girlfriends were freaking out because they go, I think he's going to say something then he doesn't. And I go, oh, you know, my mom and dad were obviously in spirit. So there was, there was plenty to bring in. But I went to the restroom and the intermission and then I didn't get back right when it started, like seconds, you know. And I hear him say, now, where's that girl in the white shirt? And I had a white blouse <laughs> and I come around the corner. I go, I'm right here. <laughs> he goes, I have a message for you. And he started to tell me about, he said the name and they, they're telling me to thank you. You've helped them. You're helping them breathing. You help them understand um, heaven a little differently than just tradition. And he gave me this message. He was talking about my mother-in-law and she was very much alive 
but was not doing well with her emphysema. So, you know, sleeping a lot and stuff. And I mean, even my girlfriends were like, do you think she died? And I go, no, I think he's connected to her consciousness right now. So she got up and, you know, maybe in her sleep state or, you know, whatever, got up into that zone and was able to bring that message. And she was thanking me for helping her. And I did. I was helping her understand that part, you know. It's been my experience that it's the same, whether we're talking yeah. to somebody who's a spirit connected to a body or a spirit that's not connected to a body anymore. And I find that it doesn't matter whether we know knew them or not. Certainly you've experienced that because all the spirits with whom you work, most of them you didn't know mm -hmm. when they were alive. Mm -hmm. And so it's the same thing. And I think that makes it much less intimidating for people when they're interested in learning how to do this work mm -hmm. and and communicate with their deceased loved ones normally, that it's less intimidating when you think, okay, you could, who do you want to talk to? I say, you want to talk to Elvis? You want to talk to Queen Elizabeth? You want to talk to Joan of Arc? Who do you want to talk to? We just think of them. And that tunes our satellite mm -hmm. dish head mm -hmm. to their yeah, frequency. I believe that. How, how does it help when you're working with the Helping Parents Heal members and you're communicating with their deceased child's spirit. Tell us a little bit about that and what you found comforts them the most. What about the work you do? I think when you start to give them, you know, whatever the visions are, because I, I get a lot of visions too, you know, just everything streams. And I always explain that the visions are based on the emotion they're having connected to a memory, something that you might have in the room that's out of my view if I'm online with them or if it's even in the room. Um, and also, you know, so to, uh, to understand that the visions that they send, they're not just saying send the hat. They're having an emotion that is forming a picture of say the hat, you know, maybe you have it in front of you. Maybe you, you know, had it out earlier. Maybe you are looking, whatever the detail behind it is, they don't know. So when you give them, you know, when the child can come in and children are all ages, you know, there's, there's, you know, people of all ages. So, um, but you know, just, just the things that they bring that brings in their personality. I think I had some sisters on a call not long ago and the mom, I apparently had read one of the sisters, so she wanted the mom and other sister to be there. So they did a group call, and we were on there. And the very first thing I saw was this beautiful young woman up in spirit um, holding a sundress going like this, you know, like spinning. And I go, oh. So I told them, and they go, oh, my God, she always loved her sundresses. Every day she has some different sundress. On. And they got excited about the sundress. But then the girl kind of came in close to me and says, say it like this. You don't need. You don't need underwear in heaven. <laughs> and I said it, and I'm like, okay, I got to do what she did. You don't need underwear in heaven. And they lost it because they said she would do that. <laughs> they used to tell her, don't do that. You wear it on earth. So she brought in something that was so literal, kind of. But the beautiful thing was that mother got to feel her daughter's personality. The sisters just thought it was hysterical. And that's the kind of stuff that you can't say, oh, I want you to have this feeling. It feels so good. You know, they have to have it. And when you create that space for them, 
and their loved ones are never going to let him down, let anyone down. They want to bring this information in, you know, they want to. And, you know, I always say, don't worry. If I had to worry every time I went on, every time I did this, which is, which is every day I go for 28 years, I go, if I had to worry if they were going to show up, I couldn't do it. The grief is too much. The grief I've grieved. I went to a medium. I know what it's like to sit on that other side and just want my mom and dad to come in, you know, and that's, that's the greatest gift we give them. They feel it and they can feel that's the spirit. And they, then they can, that's about as tangible it's going to get, you know, but boy, when we're connected and we understand, we know how tangible it really is. It's not, not tangible. It is tangible. Right. Well, I love that story. That's hysterical oh, about that we don't have to wear underwear. Mm -hmm. and That's hysterical. What I have experienced is that the personality stays with the body when somebody dies. So if somebody has a snarky personality when they're alive, there's all spirits are pure love. And at the same time, as in your example with the sundress, spirit will put on personality, send information so that their loved ones will know it's really them with whom we're communicating. Mm -hmm. But it's a role that we all play. And it's a different role in each lifetime. Mm -hmm. Do you have any thoughts about that? Do you agree? Oh, Do you have you I agree 100% like they to bring in that personality in that moment is really what's gonna, you know, hit that place in their heart that let that grief rise a little it's them, you know, so, um, yeah, and also, I, I don't know where this is bringing me to, maybe like, and sometimes like when you have someone who, I find their personalities, they bring their personality in, but sometimes it's like they're showing me their personality, like someone who was not so nice and on, on earth is now here to say they're sorry, you know? And they know they weren't so nice. I go, oh, they show me this little grimace of a face. Oh, they always had this little smirk on their face. You know, I mean, little things will show. So I think that answers what you're asking. I don't know. Does that yeah. Well, speaking of hearts, I've, I've heard you say that the heart chakra is the most powerful source of energy in the body. And mm -hmm. to your point that the spirit with whom we're communicating is going to bring in information that's going to touch their loved one's hearts. Talk to us about that a little bit. Absolutely. You know, the heart, I mean, self-love, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. The heart frequency is, it's not the highest because I know there's higher. I think the heart, if I'm not mistaken, is 528 um, for, you know, whatever they call it in, um, so I know there's higher ones, but the heart is in our, when, you know, it's the, kind of the basis of my work, inner light. When we go to the inner light of our own heart and we allow for a conscious, you know, awareness to it, it grows, you know, it'll grow, it'll get stronger, it gets more illuminated. That travels through us, through our nervous system, our cells, that illuminates around us. That's the auric field, is the frequencies. You know, the auric field, according to spirit, is basically the energy field around us that's invisible, pure energy. It's it's what the spirit, it's what leaves the body when, you know, we no longer, the spirit no longer needs to inhabit it or can't inhabit it if its frequency gets too low. And it leaves. And that's the, so we, 
I don't know. I lost my train of thought on that one. I went, I went thinking about four different things right now with that. But you know, when we understand that, that, that those, those frequencies are really what's running everything down here about our law of attraction, you know, our law of attraction is based on that auric field, that energy field. So the magnetics are working constantly. What are we pushing toward us? What are we pulling away? What are we holding still? And we run that through perspective and mind and thought because those frequencies download in. Is that where we went? I don't know where I went with that. Well, and our thoughts create our reality. And it's been my experience that the spirit's the main part of us and the body's inside the spirit. We were brought up, you and I, in Catholic school to believe that the spirit or the soul is someplace in the chest area. That's not what I perceive. And when you look at a depiction of a religious figure, whether it be Jesus or Buddha or whomever, oftentimes they're depicted with a halo Mm -hmm. around their head or oftentimes around their whole body. That's their aura. That's their energy energy field. field. Yep, halos are the energy field. It's their spirit, exactly. And so I find it fascinating how... I believe people have been able to see those since the beginning of time. And that's why the old masters painted them that way. Those religious figures, whether they saw them in person or not, for the most part, they didn't. Mm -hmm. But that was the image that they were downloading from spirit, from source, from God to the, for the best way to depict somebody who was holy in essence we all have an aura we all have a halo we all have an energy field so we're all holy people is how i look at it and also when you think of jesus's i remember you know there's photos there's a popular picture where the heart light was in the heart chakra and the flame and i remember i was already calling my work inner light because i always brought people into the heart like into their vibration here and then we start meditation there. We start our healing work there, our blessing there. And it was just where I went. And I remember looking at that picture one day and going, like, duh, Beth. <laughs> Been there right in front of you all this time. <laughs> well, and it's referred to as the, the sacred, sacred heart, heart of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Let's pivot for mm-hmm. a minute. How does meditation factor into the equation? Meditation is started 5,000 years BC, for heaven's Mm -hmm. sakes. How does meditation come into play when communicating with spirit? Or does it come into play? Oh, yeah, because when I look at meditation as the mediation between the physical, you know, the mental, physical, and the spiritual. So it's the moment we take to raise our frequency up, to mediate between the two. When we're in a higher frequency, what we strengthen our immune system, nervous system, we keep going even higher, we're going to hit the channel to the divine, right? So when we're in meditation and we're, you know, we start the slow breathing, just being aware, letting noise be noise, you know, getting that process started, when you keep go, you just keep going up into the higher frequency, because I look at meditation also as the oldest form of prayer. I mean, the rosary is a repetitive word, right? Repeat, repeat, repeat. Usually in meditation, there's a mantra or some kind of word or an object where you focus. Um, And when you do that and you turn in, you get connected to the channel, then 
you know, then you're there, which I love how you, you put that. And even the kids in spirit, a lot of the young people in spirit have shown me like when they're learning in school, I remember, because when you deal with that many people losing children, that like, do they learn? Do they go to school? But they always answer it before you have to ask, I find. But they show like just kind of sitting there and meditating on a time they want to understand and that they can actually go and speak to the people of the history. So if you wanted to learn more about the Civil War, you would go and speak to people who were in the Civil War. But it's very meditative when they're doing this, it's very, it's like, that's what they say. We're meditating and we're putting the words on the paper as opposed to looking at the paper and the book and bringing it in and trying to memorize. You're going into the bigger energy of, you already know that, you know that, you know it. Well, and that begs the question about the collective consciousness, Mm -hmm. which is, is there any thought that's new? Or is it that we're just on the channel on which that thought resides that we can pull it in? I think you just said it best. That's really what what happens. I think we we get into the channel. Um, (laughs) In my book, I tell the Einstein story. So I was, you know, basically in a nutshell, graduated high school with straight D's. I was never the intelligent one by any means. I had about, I had, you know, ADD is before it had a name. Cause you know, like I said, when you're in your sixties and you know, I would read something 10 times and not comprehend, you know, I, I barely got out, you know what I mean? It was a struggle. No matter how much I read, I never could comprehend. And the beautiful thing about meditation is when I started meditating in my, really in my thirties, I started reading things like once and couldn't believe the difference. Like, Oh my God, I comprehended that. So that was shocking. But when I first started getting into meditation, well, I was in, I was well into the spiritual aspect, going to the heart, like letting it come around, you know, and, and I knew what I would experience and I knew what others were, you know, how they would feel after coming out of it. So, I mean, the magic was already shown to me. I, I got it, you know, I was pretty comfortable in that zone with like meditation from a spiritual standpoint. And then I remember wanting to take a class and learn more about like, there's more to meditation than just like, there's another aspect to it. I want to learn more about it. So I went to the Silva method and I took a weekend course and I sat there going, well, it's pretty much the same thing, except they're just not saying God, you know, they're just not, they're keeping mainstream. Okay. I get it. But then I knew there was still something else. And I was, it was crazy to me because it was like, there's still something else out there, a higher intelligence, a connection to meditation that when we meditate, like, you know, like I could comprehend now and, you know, and I, I'm saying these thoughts when just saying the thoughts, I wasn't doing anything in the moment, just having the conversation in my head. And I went, there's something more to meditation though. And it's, it's very intelligent, but I don't, I don't know what it is. So fast forward, probably the next day, I always sit for 10 minutes in the morning. I meditate usually midday somewhere. And I sit at bedtime is usually how I fall asleep. So I'm pretty, you know, that's my regimen. Make sure I get my time in with the divine. I'd ask no questions. I don't need no answers in the, that moment. I'll meditate again or do a mantra. If I do need something, I keep it separate from that time, right? And so I went into my little daily, ah, doing my breathing. And all of a sudden I started getting visual of walking down. I was really more like floating down a hardwood floor 
candelabras all along the side of me and I was just being moved. So I'm in my meditative state going, oh, this is cool. I'm very aware. I'm more awake than I am, you know, and sometimes you meditate and you really go deeper, you even fall asleep and you have a nice little, I was very awake. So I'm watching and I go, oh, there's my grandfather. And I'm looking at this old man sitting at a desk, grandpa, er, <laughs> and all of a sudden he looks up and he goes, and I'm like, Einstein looking straight at me. And he goes, you called? And I go, oh, I called you. I don't know about that. Now I'm literally having a conversation just like that. And I mean, I would look at Einstein quotes and go, what is that man talking about? Like that would be something I would say, read one of his quotes somewhere. What does he mean by that? I never grasped it ever. And well, yeah, I didn't try, but, and all of a sudden he goes, well, you called, you asked about the divine. You asked about the highest intelligence. And he just goes, we're all here waiting to be called upon. Nobody calls us. And he kind of laughed. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, and now it made sense. It was my missing link. So there is a, it is divine. I wouldn't have looked at Einstein as being a divine intelligence. You know, it's not where my scope, you know, he's a smart man, you know, and this and that. I had no clue about his spiritual, like really wanting to understand that. I read a whole article on him after that. But anyway, so I had this moment with him. I could, Tears are running down my face. I mean, I am in awe of what I'm experiencing. And it's happening very quickly. And all of a sudden he goes, I watch over the boy. And he winked at me. And I'm like, the boy? And it knocked me right out. I was like, what? My son was three years old. He's the only boy in my life, right? What does he mean by that? Why would he tell me that? That's what, Now I'm back. I'm back. I'm off the hallway, you know. But I'm like, wow, what an experience. Well, I get it now. It is intelligence, divine intelligence. Oh, my God, it makes sense. Blah, blah, blah. I'm all happy I had that experience. The next night, my son's taking a bath. He's three, okay, blowing bubbles, making the beard, you know, doing the bubble thing. And I'm cleaning the vanity, and I'm watching him in the mirror behind me. Mommy, how'd he die? He's blowing bubbles. I go, who, honey? And he goes, Einstein. And I'm like, no. And I go, Einstein? I don't know. How do you know Einstein? Because he talks to me all the time. I go, what's he say? He goes, I don't know. And he's blowing bubbles. And I'm like, well, honey, I know he's a very smart man. And I think you need to listen to him. Okay, mommy, or something like that. It was like that simple. I didn't want to overdo it, you know, with the child, you know. I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, I did believe you. But now I really That was that. So is your son a nuclear physicist? No, he's now? less like his mother. He he hate he didn't hate school. He liked the social part of school. Um, he went to college for four weeks and hated it. And but you know what? He got out. He found his niche in car sales. Who would have thought? He's in car. He works at CarMax. He's amazing with math. Amazing with math. But he just couldn't. He he was not the study the books and this is how you're going to get there, kid. He's he's more practical. He got in and he's doing great in the company. So I'm very proud of him, but he is math. His, that's his thing. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. In my class, Angelic Attendant Training, where I teach people how to do all the buffet of psychicness stuff that I do, we had a student and we do lecture and and uh, discussion and then we do a practicum session always. <laughs> so one of my students was this guy who was a brilliant engineer. And he was working on some kind of advanced algorithm. 
And he wanted to talk to Einstein. So we brought Einstein in, which was a second, Mm -hmm. just takes a nanosecond. Again, we think of who do we want to talk to that immediately connects the satellite dish head to their frequency. And he's having this conversation with Einstein in front of all the rest of us. And they're talking about all this advanced math stuff that's way above my pay grade. And he got the answer that he needed and we got to watch them all do it. Wow. So that that is my interpretation too from what I've heard from many, many spirits over the years. All you have to do is ask. Yeah. They're all there. They're all willing. They're all thrilled to talk to you. And it's just not a big deal at they all. Don't you make just it a big ask deal like we something. do, right? You're right. I love that. That's such a cool story. Yeah. I've heard you say that when we learn how to embrace distraction and meditation, we it helps us embrace the distractions in life. I thought that was really a an amazing thought. Tell us how you came up with that. Yeah, it's interesting how I came up with that because I I remember, you know, when you when you really want to meditate and you know, I don't have a quiet place, I can't. I can hear the TV, the dogs bark, the kid can't, you know. So there's always reasons, um, you know, that people say they can't. So, but I remember when I was first starting um, to really get committed to it, there was a time where, and I always wanted the, the space quiet and didn't want to hear anything. I, I was always do try to do create that space too. Um, but one time I was taking this correspondence course with a, with the, the, uh, the person, uh, her name, Patricia Hayes, she actually founded Delphi. And it, I hadn't been there in years and, you know, I didn't have the time or the energy or, you know, to actually go away. I had the energy. I just didn't have the time. And I don't think I had the money to go away for a week at a time like I used to do. And in the 90s with that, I was really drawn to doing um, uh, something connected to Delphi. That day, my email came a correspondence course that she was having. And it was a new course. And I registered immediately because you would you do your you do your little thing and then you, you have your little assignment and then you record your five days and you send to her and you do that for 12 weeks. It was a 12 week course and you don't want to let your mentor down, you know? So, um, I was very much into it. And one day the roofers were going to come, I don't know, eight o'clock. It was seven. My son was still sleeping. I said, I'm going to do my lesson right now. I was so excited. It was early in the morning. Oh, I'm just going to do my lesson. I, I'm looking forward to this. Quiet, quiet in the house. I start doing my lesson and I'm getting to the meditation part and I start going into meditation. And all of a sudden I hear, they're on my roof. They're an hour early. I got mad. I was like, you know, and I had this little meltdown in my room and I'm like, I can't believe this. I wanted to do this so bad. And then I went, no, I'm going to still do it. I'm going to still do it. And I started doing it and I kept going and they were up there pounding and tearing off things. And I was in that meditation a good 25 minutes. I lost complete track of the sound. I just followed my little, what I had to follow, did it hurt, literally never heard another word completely taught from that experience to embrace distractions because it did not get in the way. I had the most profound meditation that day of the whole 12 weeks. I, it, it was 
second to my Einstein moment. You know, no, it was probably bigger than my Einstein moment, actually. But it was divine. I had my first real feeling of feeling the divine. And I came out of there with tears in my eyes going, oh, my God, I'll never complain again about noise. And I'm passionate about helping people with that because it work, it'll work. <laughs> it'll still, you know, I mean, sometimes my meditations are very, I'm, you know, seeing a butterfly. I'm seeing a butterfly right now. They mean something to you. Just got this big butterfly. And then sometimes I know I have a busy-minded one, but it still counts because you still made a connection. You know, you still, it still does it. And that's what I tell people. Don't, don't be hard on yourself. Keep your breath going. Keep your breathing. That's the key. Your breathing is so important. Exactly. How can people learn more about you and your work? Uh, my website is probably the best place to go, innerlightteaching.com. Um, it has, you know, everything on there about my events coming up. Um, it has my appointment service on there. Of course, you can always reach out if you have any questions before you do that. And I mean, really, yeah, innerlightteaching.com. It has all my social media, you know, if you want to follow me. Um, and yeah, just everything is on there and the best way to reach me. I can't believe where time went. Were we really talking over? I know. I know. Well, thank you for taking the time oh. to join us and to to volley stories back and forth. And it's so fun to talk to another medium and another woo-woo girl, woo. I call it. And, <laughs> and, and I think even though you recognize that you had the ability as a child, I always tell people, I didn't know about any of my abilities because I, I didn't have dead people chasing me around <laughs> as a child. Mm -hmm. I learned how to do all of this stuff. But what I've come to understand is that we all have the ability and we all can learn. And even those that know they have the ability to do this as small children, you do what you need to do to enhance it to develop and enhance it. And that's the most important part is just to put yourself out there and start doing it. The more you do it, the more validation you get, the more validation you get, the more you trust it. And then it's just second nature. You can turn it on and off and on in a, in a nanosecond. Mm -hmm. So everybody, thanks for joining us. Sending you lots of love from Sweet Home Alabama and Florida too, where Miss Beth is. We'll catch you next time. Bye everybody. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to follow Julie on Instagram and YouTube at Ask Julie Ryan and like her on Facebook at Ask Julie Ryan. To schedule an appointment or submit a question, please visit AskJulieRyan.com. This show is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be medical, psychological, financial, or legal advice. Please contact a licensed professional. The Ask Julie Ryan Show, Julie Ryan and all parties involved in producing, recording, and distributing it assume no responsibility for listeners' actions based on any information heard on this or any Ask Julie Ryan shows or podcasts.